Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Life, Love, and Existential Dread podcast. My name is Brian Arada, broadcasting from Los Angeles, California. My co-host, Nathan Shelton from, from Chicago, broadcasting from Chicago. How you doing, Nathan? I'm, I'm great. I'm in a frozen wasteland, so I'm, frozen, I'm wonderful. Oh, frozen I wasteland. just got back from Mexico, and it yeah. snowed last night, all night. So oh, I'm great. Well, it's great. Welcome, Life is good. Well, <laughs> Welcome home to Chicago. We'll, we'll snow. We we'll snow Chicago. you in. We'll snow you in right when you get here. Yeah, right. yeah. And I know it's way too late, but Happy New Year, everybody. You know, Happy we New haven't been Year. On. You just got. You got to say that. Merry it's, Christmas. We're coming Happy back. Hanukkah. Kwanzaa. You know, everything. Whatever it is, we're happy. Whatever. We're happy that you're here. Whatever holiday you're celebrating, we're happy that you're celebrating it. Absolutely, Festivus for the rest of us. <laughs> Well, one thing I uh, want to talk about that uh, I'm sure everybody complains about, but I'm going to make a complaint right now, is traveling on an airplane. I went to visit some family in St. Louis, Missouri. That's where I'm from originally. And, um, you know, of course, there's people traveling all, the, all over the place and families are visiting each other. That's what happens all the time. Um, Unfortunately. But I got I to tell you, we got to start making planes only for babies, okay? So if you have a baby... You're only allowed on these certain flights with other babies, okay? Baby planes. And I, baby planes. I thought about this, okay? This is, this is, this is a concept. I, I want all the airlines to pick this up. Um, if you have a child under like three or four years old, something like that, you go on the baby plane. And they got toys and, and, and you know, they're real small. They got diapers and, and everything. All the, all the flight attendants are deaf, so they're not affected by the crying. <laughs> so, do, do parents go with the babies on the plane or is it only well, for the babies? Of, of course, the parents go with the baby, but point being, you know, we got planes that are specifically designated for people with small children and uh, had an incident traveling to St. Louis and on the way back with, with a small child um, screaming seemingly for four hours straight. Was um, it the same small child? Happened to be traveling with no, you both ways? No, okay. no. There was, okay. there, was one, there was one that was assigned to me on the way out there, and I got another one assigned or assigned to the plane for the way back. Assigned yeah. to you. God yeah. just said, let's fuck up this guy's trip real bad. We, we know. No, I've, you know, I get, I'm, I'm always early. I hate being late for anything. Even if it's just myself, you know, I hate being late. So I'm always early in my spot. Here comes a young couple with a small child. It's like, oh boy, they're going to sit right in front right of me, aren't me. they? <laughs> and sure enough, they were. And then there was some problem with their seats, and they're asking other passengers to switch spots. And then we have to, of course, switch overhead bin stuff and, and um, you know, a whole fiasco. I, I realize it's difficult traveling with a small baby. Um, but to cause a little more commotion, I think these two could not. Um, and then um, the mom said, oh, she's going she's gonna to fall asleep at 7.30. She always falls asleep at 7.30. Of course, she did not. Um, walk, on a plane where up. there's all that pressure and babies don't know how to yeah. relieve it, you know, in their ears it, and stuff. Exactly. And and I said that, I thought that myself. I was like, my ears are popping. The baby's ears are popping. You know, it's that's what's happening. Walking up and down the aisle, trying to calm them down, cal calm this little one down. Um, and I know, I, I know it's tough, but again, I need, we need to start baby planes. Or here's another thing I thought of. You pay a little bit extra to not have a baby on the plane. Like you'll be on a plane that's guaranteed there is no child on board if you're if you're that bothered by it. Yeah. So so I, you're that, saying that was... either baby plane or no baby plane, but either right. either concept works like this is a no baby plane and this is a baby plane. 
Exactly. We have we have them separated, and I think um, it would be a big hit with all airlines, especially passengers. You know, pay mm-hmm. a little bit extra to have no baby on the plane. And okay, maybe you don't get to travel on the exact date you want to. You got to wait for a baby plane to get filled up. You know, with other babies and everything. So. Very good concept. I want to see what, take great. your thoughts on that. You know, you have children, yeah. so I want to see what you say about all this. Yeah, no, I'm I'm for it too. I, I I hear what you're saying, and I think if you either go with baby plane or you go with uh, anti baby plane, however you want, yeah. however you want to market that. Yeah, um, that's something. You know, that sounds bad, think, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, tell me what you think about this. What if there's a third option where there's a baby anesthesia plane, to where as soon as the babies oh. go on, they they have a drop down like where the oxygen masks come out. Where you just go sleep, and the baby goes right to, right down. Yeah. Or they okay. give a baby like a, a like a little lozenge or something. You can't give a baby a lozenge, I guess. I, guess, I think the gas is probably the way to you gas babies. Basically, we gas babies on planes. Yes. Um, and and uh, this rolls out, and everybody, it's completely safe. You know, it's just like going to a doctor. Uh, I guess anesthesia always has a little bit of risk, so maybe not. But taking a baby on a plane has a little bit of risk, right? Of course. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's. What if the, you know, somehow the mom or the dad, or you know, accidentally knock a button, turn on the speaker, the baby's wailing, everybody in the cabin's miserable, but then when they turn on the speaker, it goes into the the cockpit and the pilot's hearing the baby. He's like, oh my God, there's a baby on the plane. It's being annoyed. You know, and then the pilot just steers off into an embankment if there's embankments in the sky. Yeah. Total <laughs> safety issue, crying babies on planes. I've already thought about right. this. Safety because it drives people insane. You have a Jack Torrance situation from The Shining, you know, where it's just like, right. I can't deal with this anymore. I'm going to go insane and just kill people with my luggage. Exactly. And one one more comment about your gas mask anesthesia thing. I thought about this. Little space suits for the babies, okay? So they're totally encapsulated in the suit, and it's got oxygen and everything, but it's soundproof. soundproof. And yep. you can't hear Love the baby it. wailing and crying. And it's like, okay, you got to feed it something. Okay, lift up the mass there give a little you know thing or whatever but most time when it's crying inside the baby suit astronaut baby suit that's Love another it. another that is, another possibility that's great the baby's warm feels safe yeah. it's like coddled because it's like a puffy suit yeah Yet see? all you're hearing is like a real like yeah and, and everybody yeah. can deal with that you know of course. that's not well, the only thing you know Worse than babies crying on planes are toddlers kicking the back of your seat the entire flight, which did happen to me coming back from Mexico. Okay. It was a late flight, and there was a child right behind me that kept crying, but I was listening to podcasts, um, which imagine that. I'm very into podcasts. Um, I was listening to some funny podcasts coming back, so I couldn't hear as much. It almost sounded like the baby was or the, the toddler was in one of those like suits because you know, but they just kept kicking my seat the whole time. And I didn't have my seat back either, but this is on uh, Volaris airline, which not a fan of this airline. They make you pay out the ass for everything. It's like, Oh, you want to smile while you're on the plane? That's a $30 fee. You know, it's (laughs) it's so ridiculous. They, they used to have, I mean, you have to, you get one personal item as long as it fits under your seat. Um, And then you get, uh, you know, in some other airlines, I think Spirit does this too. You have to pay for your carry-on, right? You yep. have to pay for a separate I... bag. And usually it's like, for this for this airline, it was always like 20 to $25, you know? And I'm like, all right, whatever, you know? And I, I'm kind of cheap. I'm like, I'm nickel and dime. Some things, some things I'm not. Yeah. But that, I'm like, okay. This time coming back, going there, I paid $20, $25 to take a bag. I was there for three weeks. 
I come back, $46 for a carry-on. And there's no wiggle room on that. That's the cheapest option, right? Because if you show up to the airport and you haven't already paid for it, it's more expensive. So, I mean, it's probably 50 bucks, so you're, like, saving $4. But still, I mean, they're just gouging you. And you don't really have an option because it's it's either equal or more to to check the bag, too. Yep. So, no, and then I, you have to wait. And they're so unorganized, too. I mean, our flight was an hour late leaving. I got in around, like, 11.45 at night. You know, we were supposed to get in about an hour before that, if not a little bit more. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, like around 10.30. It was it was a nightmare, and uh, the pilots were late, and everything. Ugh, it's just nobody had a sense of urgency, and they may, they don't even give you water on the plane. You have to pay for water. You have to pay for anything. Like you know, a lot of planes planes will give you snacks and stuff. No, nope, not there. No, no. everything. No, every I... little thing. You can't have coffee, tea, water. You know, like the the normal things that are like typically free on a flight because they really don't cost anything other than the cup. Yeah, yeah. you get charged every single thing. The only thing that's oh, free, hand sanitizer. And that is one thing I will say about Volaris. They are they have very clean planes, very uncomfortable seats, very uncomfortable seating situations, but everything's very clean, and they do take a long time in between each flight making sure that it's clean. They have these, like, fogger sprayer things and all this stuff. So that's great. I felt very safe on the plane. Everybody's wearing their mask. Um, you know, it was it was nice. It was it, That was the only good part about the plane is that I felt very safe, you know. Okay. Oh, man, good. No, I, I hear you. I took well. You mentioned Spirit Airlines. I took that to St. Louis and back. Oh yeah, because it's cheap and it's cheap, but they gouge you on the bags. It's it's, yeah. it's crazy. So it's really about you the know. same price when you when you even it out. It's probably about the yeah. same price because you're paying for the bags. Yeah, I think it was thirty five dollars to check a small bag, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. and maybe maybe a little bit less to carry it on. Uh, but then I'm watching people carry on. And they've got these gigantic bags. I said, how did you get that through that? I don't understand. They're putting, you know, like three duffel bags worth of stuff up in these overhead. You know, of course, that's a common complaint. But uh, I was like, how did you get that through? It don't, I, don't, I don't get it. Yeah, because so. some places, and I know Spirit does this, they have that little box thing that they shove your bag into. And if they can't squeeze it in that, then you're not allowed to take it on the plane. Right. You know? I was like, how did and, you? Yeah. yeah. It's clearly way too big. How did you get that on the plane? So Anyway. Grease the right wheels. You get in. I guess. I guess so. I don't know. But that was. Hey, buddy, look know. the other way. Here's a five. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's another aspect of travel that I I don't fully understand is why do people have so much stuff? Um, I'm a very light light packer, light traveler, and everything. I got a small rectangular bag, very small, and I was only gone for a week. Granted, maybe you're traveling for a longer period of time, you need more stuff, but. You know, you need three, four suitcases for yourself or two people need that much stuff and overhead stuff. I, I just, you know, that that aspect of traveling, I will never understand, mostly because I well, don't need that much stuff. But who knows I usually, people's situations. You know, I, work, I work from home, you know, for my day job. And, uh, and so I always have to have my laptop with me. Uh, both laptops because I'm also editing a lot too for video projects, film projects, you know, podcasts. So I have two laptops that I carry with me everywhere and all the accoutrement with that, all the electrical cables. And this time I brought my microphone, which both times at the checkpoint freaked everybody out. They're like, what the hell does this guy have in his bag? You know, thought I was going to get 
you know, microphone bomb. Yeah, they were just going to like, all right, bend over. Let's see if you got another microphone up there. But they they always made me open my bag both ways because they're like, we've never seen anything like this before. It's like, you've never seen a microphone. Okay. Never seen a microphone. I mean, it's obviously a microphone. It's still, I still even, you know, I had the the foam, you know, uh, pop guard and everything on it. It It's very obvious. But, um, but yeah, they, uh, where was I going with this story? <laughs> oh, I was I was talking about people overpacking. You're talking. Oh, about, right, right. Uh, so, so, sorry, sorry. Your microphone. So, so I have you know, so I have a, my microphone. I have my uh, my uh, uh, laptops, and all of that goes into one bag, which is my backpack, because I have a backpack that's a camera bag, so it's got all the insulation in it and everything, so I know everything's going to be safe. And I've got a uh, you know a couple of external hard drives that I take with me, and all that. Plus, I have sleep apnea, so I take my CPAP machine and I put that in that backpack, so that carries all of that. Then all my clothes and my uh, little you know, bathroom buddy or whatever they, the little, you know, everything that carries all my, my vitamins and toothpaste and all that, all that shit, that is all in my duffel bag that I carry that also can crunch up. So I always have two carry-ons with me all the time, one personal item and one carry-on all the time. So this time I was there for two, uh, three weeks uh, in Mexico. But even if I go for two weeks, you know, I still have a duffel bag because I still have clothes and things and they can't all fit into the same bag. I can't fit my laptops and everything into one bag. So I have to take two bags everywhere I go. Oh, sure. So maybe yeah. I don't I don't qualify for your um, light, light travel. I try to travel as light as possible. But... See, there's another bonus. Like if you don't have very much stuff, man, you should get a cut on the price of the ticket or something. You know, well, right, you're not going to use an overhead bin. All right. Well, we'll take a little bit off the top for you. Take 15 bucks off the thing. I mean, that's mm-hmm. worth it. I would, I would yeah. definitely do that. So, uh, sure. But then you but, don't, uh, I mean, like, what if you're going on vacation though? I mean, you, let's say you go to Mexico and you're just going on vacation. I mean, do you want to buy anything? You want to buy anything and bring it back? You can't fit it, it into yeah. a bag that you've just got your clothes wedged into, you know? So exactly. How are you gonna I, and I realize your guitar that I know. you bought, how are you going to guitar? And I bought, you know, I'll buy obnoxious sombrero and I, I must have it, yeah, you right. know, it cannot be crunched up or folded up in any way. No. So, yeah. So. <laughs> The the guy sitting in front of you has to hold it the whole flight because you're holding right. everything. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll let him couple... wear it. <laughs> I said, oh, I'm sure he's very happy about that, Brian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As I do, like, would you oh, wear man, my hat for the rest of the flight? Yeah. I can't fit it in the overhead bin. Can you wear it for me? <laughs> but we were at the airport waiting to get on the, you know, get get through the checkpoint and stuff and just kind of waiting, saying bye and everything, my wife and I. And um, we saw this couple walking through the airport with two gigantic, gigantic bags that obviously had um uh surfboards in them right like they were shaped like surfboards but they were like padded so they had come to mexico i guess to do surfing but they're flying back so they're in the international terminal and they've got these these duffel bags but they're not at a checkpoint like they've already made it past the check your bags point so i'm trying to figure out there's no way in hell that thing is going on a plane how are you you can't put that in the overhead binge you can't keep it in the walkway or anything those things are massive i mean they're huge they had two huge surfboards so i was wondering where they were taking those like yeah never travel with a surfboard not going to but man what a hassle Jeez. hey you say that now brian but who knows you might go through a midlife crisis in another year or two and you might become a surfer you know you never know you might be covered in a... tats and pierces piercing see and that and that's what <laughs> dreadlocks like uh, you know like uh tom hanks and in, in uh, what's that movie? The the where he's on the island. The oh, Castaway. Yeah, yeah. Castaway. Yeah, like you start looking like that, and you're like, 
whoa, you know, and talking like a surfer dude, like Matthew McConaughey yeah. playing bongo drums naked in your living room smoking weed. You know, well, that could be you. That could yeah. be you in another year. You never know. Life takes crazy yeah. twists, Brian. Don't say never. It, never say never. I n- never say never. And and I moved here, you know, the first one of the first things I did was drive to the coast, you know, from Los Angeles and drive up and down the PCH Highway, Highway 1. And it's just gorgeous. Um, you got gorgeous cliffs on on this on one side, and you got the gorgeous Pacific Ocean on the other side. And then like it's someday like, wow. I'm never going to surf in that ocean. <laughs> and and that's exactly what happened. You know, everybody said, "Oh, you're so close to the ocean. Don't you go to the beach every day?" No. Once you see it, and once you experience it a few times, you know, it's just like, okay, you know, a lot of people go to the beach and they have fun and everything. I don't, and and that's a common misconception that you're at the beach every the day. Beach. I hate the beach. I hate going there. I sand everywhere. I like looking at it. That's that's one thing. I do like looking at it. It's very, it's gorgeous. But I I don't want to be sit there and lay on the beach and and burst into flame because my skin is wider than like alabaster. Uh, yeah, right. know, no, my, I'm I'm there with you. I'm 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 a vampire. I'm yeah. I'm an albino. I I can't. I I do. I burst into flames. But I, I enjoy. Swimming in the ocean. I do enjoy swimming in the ocean. I prefer overcast days. um, Mm. But um, yeah, I do. I really do like that. I like salt water. um, But laying out in the sun, like you see people really enjoying it. And I'm like, why? What is that? I I can't. I like being in the sun if I'm in the shade. Like if I'm in a, you know, under a tent or an awning or under a tree or something. I love it. I love seeing the sunshine and everything as long as it's not too hot. But, you know, I don't need to be in direct sunlight ever. I, I think that God has shown me that time and time again. You know, the, oh, yeah. the powers that be are like, oh, okay, well, you're going to get second degree burns all over your body. The last time I was in Mexico, not this trip, but the trip before, I we went bowling. Uh, we took yeah. uh, we took one of my new nephews bowling, and um, I said I'm on my computer all the time, right? So my right hand, I'm right handed, and my right wrist I've got carpal tunnel in it from it, you know, because we've talked about getting older and falling apart and all that shit. But that's, you know, that's, yeah. yeah. So I get carpal tunnel in it, so sometimes it's like it goes numb or I can't really feel it, you know, or or it aches. Well, so here I am bowling, and right off the bat, right the very first time that I I bowl there's a pop in my wrist and a sharp pain shooting through my fingers and um you know my wife Alma comes up and she's like are you okay and I'm like I'm fine I'm fine I kind of let me just go for the spare here so I bowled (laughs) the whole set to get through you know a whole game in pain And trying to, and I, it's not like I was doing it to impress anyone. I wasn't doing it to impress her or to impress anybody else there. I just didn't want to yeah. quit. I, you know, I, yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm tenacious like that. And I'm like, I'm going to keep doing this. And it was the worst game I'd ever bowled, obviously. And yeah. I almost dropped the ball on my foot a couple of times because my, my fingers, I couldn't feel them by the, by the second, third time. And I just kept going. What? And that Why? messed up my, because I'm an idiot, Brian. I'm a professional idiot. You know, I get paid top dollar for idiocy. 
So I bowled and a can, and then, freaking ball. And then you can, bra- you can brag about a bowling injury. You know, it's, hey, I got injured yeah, right. playing sports. Oh, that's why I look bowling. like this. It's a, yes, yes. It's a tragic bowling <laughs> tragic <laughs> bowling incident. That's why I'm, uh, you know, a deformed hairy hunchback. Do, man, I was, that's man I was just going to say deformed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's obvious. I mean, just look at me. You know, I'm, I'm deformed. Uh, and it's all because of bowling. It is. And it's, yeah, you know. So if, uh, if anyone wants to um, give to my GoFundMe on, for my bowling recovery, um, yes. the link is – no, I'm joking. But please, was, please, please give now. We need to get Nathan yeah. back healthy again so we can <laughs> right. continue I gotta to type. i got to get this hand the, back in top gear so that I can, yeah. I can type away and whatever else I do with my hands. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. It, it really did, though, mess up my, my wrist for about a week. You know, it was just aching, and I was taking um, – uh, paracetamol there in uh, Mexico, which let, let's talk for just a minute about how the drugs are better in Mexico. And I'm not talking illegal oh. drugs, which I'm sure okay. are also better. I am talking about the legal drugs. Like it seems like, you know, anything you take, uh, omniprazole for your stomach or paracetamol, if you have an ache or a pain, you know, like headaches or something, you t- uh-huh. pop one of those bad boys, maybe two of those bad boys, and you're like sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. I mean, you're, it's great. <laughs> you're like, Perfect. You know, everything within like 30 minutes is you feel fine. You feel like you can go, you know, water skiing, which is not a good idea for me, but you, you feel like you can. And that's really great. Um, is it I don't a know why it is. I've never, no, never heard of those, so those. It's just like Tylenol, but things oh. there are stronger. They don't have all the the regulations, I guess, that we have here. The medicine is better there. The the food is better there i, I don't I mean, know did your did your wrist improve at all or or did that uh mexican medicine fix it or oh yeah i mean it's just like tylenol it's not like it's a miracle drug you know oh, like okay. uh like marijuana is um it's it's like a, just a, <laughs> it, uh, it yeah it is i mean it really is the hemp plant oh yeah a miracle but no it um it, it really just helped my yeah it did it helped my wrist and i i started feeling better so because i was feeling better um it allowed it to to heal and um, I, I wasn't in like weird pain because you know like if you if you have a strange pain and it's not calming down especially with muscle muscle you know musculature and stuff like that you start to try to overcompensate by that like if you hurt your back you know you start to overcompensate and then you've got a way worse problem on your hands because your whole body's twisting and contorting in a way to try to get away from the pain and so then you're yeah. tense and it's just causing it's a cascading thing so when you're able to like alleviate that pain it just it kind of went away you know it was really nice so yeah. yeah so that's great and every time i go there if i start to get a headache or whatever you know take take one of those uh those magic mexican pills and i'm fine man i need some of those jeez because i yeah. get i mean right uh ride my bike that's the, what i do for exercise you get sore muscles and everything so push too hard some days and i found this cbd balm that you put on sore muscles and almost instantaneously takes away the soreness and the achingness. Like if you, you know, the next day, unbelievable, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have the THX or THX, T, THC. It doesn't have the THX. It doesn't have the great sound system that uh, we all want in our CBD bombs. But, uh, but you know, if you do have THC, sometimes everything does sound like you're in THX. Yeah. Know? Yeah, man. You get the same effect as THX with on the THC. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but the, <laughs> But this thing only has the the CBD in it. But unbelievable how, how fast it works, man! You just rub this stuff on, like uh, my shoulders get it sometimes, like the middle of my back sometimes gets it. 
amazing stuff. Uh, you know, we're you know you're talking about how good marijuana plants were, but even without the even without the hallucination or whatever you get uh, from the plant, you know, the, the regular CBD stuff, freaking awesome, so awesome. You know, on regular everyday aches and pains. You know. Yeah. So. I mean, yeah, I've heard a lot about those bombs. I've never used one. My, uh, I, I went to a chiropractor here for a while, which was great. He was, he was awesome. Dr. Jimmy. Um, but he, uh, yeah, he was, he was really awesome. And he has a side hustle where he sells CBD oils and stuff like that for aches and pains and stuff. And so they were always advertising it in their office. And, um, yeah, I've heard from a lot of the patients that were there when we were all waiting and going through the different procedures together. Um, that uh, you know that it works really well, so I was meaning to try it. I just I haven't uh, I haven't ever tried that before. So really good one. Um, it's a company in Colorado somewhere called Papa Barkley, and a little expensive, but man, it's some good stuff. It's just a CBD balm, man. It's and you get, it's a tiny little jar, but mm-hmm. it works really well. But it really goes a long amount. way. Exactly, and and it really I really it is that CBD stuff, you know, and I. Try not to take too many medications or, or I don't take any medications or try not to take aspirin or Tylenol. I try to, you know, do what you do, muscle through the pain or whatever. But some of the stuff, you know, I'm like, man, I, I need something. And so I found this thing and it works really well, surprisingly well. So, yeah, I don't know. That may work for you. Who knows? Some things a, a fifth of whiskey just can't can't take care of. And you got to. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and I, you know, I thought, well, yeah, maybe have a couple of drinks, even it all out. But you know, like, eh. don't take, don't take drinks with try some drugs of any kind. <laughs> not, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> that's not every good. Listeners, not, yeah. in case you're, in case you're thinking that that Brian is condoning, he's, you know, taking. He said no medical drugs. facts. All we're doing is having a conversation. No, nothing <laughs> proven, nothing fact checked. We're just chatting away about what's happening, what's what's worked, what's not worked. I have mm-hmm. no idea. Well, um, so, but you know, let's just just going back because I I'm interested to hear. We we talked about the flight, you know, going oh, going yeah. to visit your family. How was your trip back in St. Louis? Do you go every year, or did you just is this? Do you go for Christmas every year back to St. Louis? No, uh, it was a couple okay. years before that I went back, and uh, this time I went back. You know, stay with my sister and her husband. She has two boys, and. um uh, just for Christmas time, just nice to see the family again. My parents are there. My brother's there. Got to, just got to visit everybody. Um, uh, I just don't travel that much. Uh, you know, the whole plane experience. Uh, I love airplanes. That's why. My, my, yeah. My, my dad was in the Air Force, and he worked on an airport his entire life. I love airplanes. Was around airplanes my whole life, going to air shows and everything. Just love it. Um, but the getting in one. Is is the issue? I got, you know, uh, got got an issue with, but it's very good to see the family and and visit uh, visit old St. Louis again, see everything again. So uh, old nice get- St. Louis, Louis, you yeah. and I. You know, I I was gonna try to visit oh, you on the way before through. I, forget, I know. Oh yeah. I, before we get too tan, I wanted to mention one more thing about St. Louis trip and the plane trips uh, and all the problems with that. There's a very famous. Uh, frozen custard place called Ted Drew's in St. Louis. And I hadn't had it in years. And at the airport, they had a vending machine for this Ted Drew's thing. Oh, hate to hate to see it. That's a highlight of my trip was to get this frozen custard out of, out of this vending machine. Well, at I hope the airport, your sister you know? and the nephews aren't listening. <laughs> she doesn't listen. She won't care. She'll probably agree with me anyway. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that was the best part of your trip. Hang on. <laughs> but I saw this Is thing. It worth- I was like, oh, man. That's it's awesome. Worth, That's awesome that they have a vending thing at the airport. So it's a pretty big company. It's not like a mom and pop. 
That's the thing. It is exactly a bomb and pop. They only have two locations in St. Louis, packed every almost every day. You know, they're downtown St. Louis. The best, I don't care, you can put it up against anything. Ben and Jerry's, gelato, anything. Andy's frozen this, custard in Springfield. Andy's frozen custard. I went to Andy's. This stuff's better. I'm telling you. Okay. If I could if I could ship it to you, I, I might figure out a way to mail it to you and send it to you and, and so you can you can experience it for yourself. It is the smoothest, most unbelievable it's not ice cream, it's frozen custard. Most smoothest, unbelievable dessert I've ever had. And and it's in this it was in this vending machine that had like a ice mm, uh, like a container that's frozen, like a cooler, and the, and the lid flips up, and this thing goes in and pulls it out, and everything. I was like, how it's how long has those been sitting in there? I have no idea. Probably not long if it's really popular. But you know, it's amazing, amazing, amazing. And this I, I miss that a lot. Brought to you by Drews. Brought by Ted Family Drews custard. frozen custard. I love it. <laughs> Fully endorse it. You're in St. Louis. Go to Ted Drews. It is a must if if you like you know frozen custard, fro- you know ice cream stuff. It's it's awesome. If you don't because. Because we used to go there all the time. It's way the hell downtown. I used to live in the suburbs. It's way the hell downtown. It's, it's quite a trip to go there, but man, it's worth it. So I want to get that in before we get on to something else. So yeah, no, no, you always <laughs> got to get the the Drews plug in there. The, no, I was like, maybe it, we Dave get Drew? endorsed by Ted Drews. Ted Drews. I was raised Catholic, but I, you know, haven't practiced that religion in many years. But my sister does, and her two boys, you know, they go to church every Sunday. Um, her husband is not Catholic, but he goes to church with them. So we're all walking up for communion um, during the Mass, and maybe 300 people or so in the church. I think we were one of maybe 20 people that had Mass. The four of us had Mass. Nobody else did. Unbelievable! I couldn't believe it. I was walking in there. Why? Why is no one wearing masks here? I couldn't believe it. How many people weren't? And then we get we get a bunch of looks like we're the freaks wearing the masks inside uh, amongst all these people. So that, that was very uh, extremely frustrating to to see that. And you know that they just don't. Nobody. They're not even doing it. There is no mask mandate in California. There is yeah. a mask mandate. You have to wear there a mask going into any any place, right. but not. On St. Louis, not in this area. I know, and they anyway. fought against it, you know, and then they're doing stuff with the schools there, too, where, like, the, the governor has basically said that if your school mandates masks for any reason, you'll lose funding for your school. So it's really stupid. But um, they um, – I was wondering, you know, because my dad's a Methodist pastor. I don't know if you knew that, but my dad is a Methodist yeah. pastor. And um, I'm – you know, sometimes when I was growing up, I was Methodist, too. And um, – we used to at at our church, you know, different churches do different things, even within the same denomination. And they, we used to do this thing called intinction, um, where you would take the the bread, you'd like rip a piece of bread off of out of a loaf, right, and you dip it in a chalice of wine or grape juice. Methodist, mm-hmm. it's usually grape juice. Um, yeah. And then you'd 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 eat it. Well, now that COVID's running rampant i'm wondering i'm guessing that churches aren't doing that and they're just doing the what we used to lovingly call jesus right the little the little the little wafers. circular wafer yeah, yeah. The, the well and not just circular we had these ones that look like kind of like flattened tic tacs or like the like the new kind of gum that's like that's not sticks but they're like little they're like little rectangles oh. like puffy rectangles kind of like yeah. that of bread like a little weird cracker thing and um and then just the little tiny plastic 
disposable things. I'm guessing that's what most people are doing now. If because people are going to church, they're still involved in religion. They're still involved in taking communion. Is that what you guys did? Because I'm sure people aren't doing the. Also in Catholic churches, I know I've been to some where they all drink from the same chalice and stuff. And surely that's not oh. happening. I mean, surely that's not. That's just yeah. That was that was not happening. That death. was not happening. I don't think it was even offered uh, uh, at this mass. I was at it was Christmas Christmas Day mass. You know, the priest did have gloves on, and you know, you have the option that they could the priest could put it on your tongue if you wanted that, but nobody was doing that. Thank God. And uh, but most of you know, you walk up there, he puts it in your hands, and then you take it like that. Um, but even without COVID, I thought that wine thing was so disgusting. Um, everyone drinking from the same glass, and they and they do have a cloth, and they wipe it. You know, they wipe the your lip, yeah, they wipe it. Yeah, spit. but there's no but but. Oh, I just always thought that was so just—I never took the wine in, in Catholic, you know, going to church every Sunday, ever, ever. So everybody certainly was always, not like, during... pointing at you, and, like, that guy's going right. to hell. Yeah. Wait, why didn't you take <laughs> the blood of Christ? Come on, you got the body and blood of Christ. Come on, what the hell's the matter with like, you? I'm I good. Like, I don't want I'm it. I, I don't want the blood, and I don't yeah, I want all those people's germs either. So <laughs> thank you, but no thank you. Yeah. Praise be to God. So, <laughs> Praise be. Praise be. <laughs> I'll give you, I got tons of stories. We'll save some more for another podcast, but I'll give you one story about how I, I had no idea how much people listened to me. Um, seventh grade class. I still don't know the, why people listen to you, Brian. <laughs> I don't know either. That's, that's why I got a podcast because you're the only one that can interrupt me. Otherwise, I got free reign. Hey, <laughs> right. Sorry. And I do it too much. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And even, Proceed, and even sir. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and even in post, I can mute you out in post, you know. So that's it's, true. It's like, that's true. That's yeah. the only reason I want to start this podcast. I finally, people listen. You know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, uh, one seventh grade class, one of the overall worst classes I ever had. You know, the group as a whole was just not the greatest group of kids. Yes, there were good kids in there, but the group as a whole is just kind of a bad attitude. And one girl, a uh, little bratty little girl in particular, always give me a hard time, always lots of attitude. You know, maybe Careful, a C Brian. and D. She's probably listening. She's yeah. listening. I'll, I won't mention her name, but you know who you are. Um, uh, yes, Cindy Makowitz. You know who you are. <laughs> yeah, and this, yeah. This Some like woman named Cindy Makowitz is listening right now, just bawling her eyes out. What the hell? I don't even yeah, know these just, guys. What the hell? Yeah, listeners, just so you know, Cindy Makowitz is a completely made up name, and any yeah. any resemblance to the real Cindy Makowitz, we deeply apologize, and and it's yeah. a cool name. So go you. <laughs> this one's so, for you, Cindy Makowitz. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. Go ahead. No, I want to hear the story funny. about Cindy. Tell me about that's Cindy Markowitz. Uh, okay, that's her name now, Cindy Markowitz. Sorry, yeah. we just we just that's your that's your name. That's what's going to be. Anyway, Cindy, very difficult student. Uh, didn't practice very much. C and D student in all the classes, not just my class. And I made some crack one day about how I didn't like the music to Moulin Rouge, like. I remember I was dating somebody and she, and she really wanted to see it. I was like, okay, let's watch it. It's, you know, it's a musical. Let's watch it. And I'm just like, I, you know, it's just not my favorite thing. And I remember saying something that in class, the, the whole class, I said something about that. And then this little girl comes back the next day and all angry. What do you mean you don't like Moulin Rouge? My mom loves that music. I thought it was one of the greatest movie musicals ever written. And she, she listens to it all the time. What don't you like about it? I'm like, what, what, what? 
you know, it's just so they were so. Um, now you've got a new reason not to like it because Cindy Markowitz likes it. Cindy Markowitz likes it. Yeah, yeah. But I was just so amazed how passionate she was about what my opinion of that movie was. It was like she was so because I guess because I was the music teacher and I was her teacher mm, and her mom right. really liked it and everything. But yeah, they you know good and bad kids they they listen to you they sponge it in whatever the subject is and it was just an off the cuff comment. I was trying to remember right. what it was and I just says oh I was like oh I don't really like that movie or I don't like the songs or the arrangements of the songs something like that. And she came back the next day you know rearing to you know get me back and like, what do, what do you mean why 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 so. Yeah. yeah. Be careful, be careful you know, what you say, you know. No, Brian, I, I can I completely remember that being the case for me, too. Uh, you know, growing up, I, I maybe it was for you, maybe it wasn't. But teachers, especially teachers in the arts, because I'm an artist, right? So I always tended to be closer to my arts teachers, my choir teacher, yeah. um, theater teacher things. And so when they and, you know, he, people aren't perfect and teachers aren't perfect and teachers make mistakes and teachers say things they shouldn't say sometimes and give opinions yeah. or lose their temper or whatever. And it does deeply affect kids, but that's also a part I think of learning and of understanding. Yeah. And I think it's important. I don't think it's important that teachers are always perfect all the time because teachers are real people. And I think kids need to realize that, um, you know, we put adults on a pedestal a lot when we're younger and then one day you realize, oh, my dad doesn't know everything. My mom isn't the best person in the world. People do make mistakes. And that's it can be really crushing or it can be really uplifting, especially if you have an open communication with that individual, I think, you know. And oh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I remember some things that my choir teacher said to me who I absolutely loved and still to this day just love that man. And 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 some things that that I went through with a with some theater teachers too and deeply affected me like their opinion of me or of a mistake I made deeply affected me I, I no. one time I was doing theater in um in uh, uh community theater right and I was in high school but I'd grown up already doing theater there for years at the the local theater the Springfield Little Theater downtown uh, Springfield Missouri mm. um shout out Springfield Little Theater <laughs> yo <laughs> and uh but I I was doing I was doing um a show and um I got I was playing a silly role in Big River right you know do you know okay. that show Big River it's the it's a musical of Huck Finn anyway okay uh, John Goodman's first Broadway role um ah and so we were doing we were doing it and I was playing a character the young fool who sings a song Arkansas Arkansas I just love old Arkansas you know, it's oh, a goofy yeah. song. I do know that. And, yeah. and it's everybody's, you know, not everybody's, everybody's favorite part of the show. No, it's not. But it's a nice reprieve from some of the dramatic things that are happening. It's just this goofy character that comes on and is obsessed with Arkansas and the country idiot. And I had my hair all crazy because I've got crazy hair anyway, but it was like really crazy. Well, one day, some of the actors backstage and everything, the they were like, well, let's do your hair up and do it like really crazy. So I went out there and I had my hair completely like standing straight up on end. It was like yeah. out and, you know, just see, just to get a laugh. And it got a lot of laughs and I felt great about it. And I was so proud of being goofy. And like, I came off stage and one of my idols who I had grown up with, my first director I'd ever worked with, who's a technical director there, you know, he had, he was... I, I said, well, what'd you think of that tonight? And he said, I think it's the most unprofessional thing you've ever done. And it really disappointed me. Whoa. And man, it kicked my ass. And still I get this twinge in my gut thinking about how badly I disappointed him, but how I really felt like this is a teaching moment somehow. 
You know, this is yeah. a moment that he's being completely honest with me. He wasn't trying to hurt my feelings. He was really being honest. And I value that to this day. Um, yeah. I really value what he said to me and and mm -hmm. the fact that he could be that honest with me because so many people aren't that honest with kids, right? They tell kids what they want to hear. And it crushed me. It did. It crushed me. But it but I, I learned from it and I was mad at first, you know, I would you go through all the of levels course. of grief whenever you're, you yeah. get hurt like that. Yeah. But, um, but it, and you got, it was such you got a, a laugh. You got a, you got a yeah. great, so right in the moment, you're getting a great response from the audience. Oh yeah. So, so you're, you're, you're right. So you're conflicted, right? Because yeah. you're like, well, yeah. those people liked it. Well, yeah. my friends thought it was funny, you know, and why can't you think it's funny? Why is this wrong? And then I realized, you know, you know, and whether it was right or wrong, you know, now I've come to, you know, I would be pissed if somebody did something like that, too, and tried to make you break on stage. I mean, actors yeah. do that kind of shit all the time. And it is unprofessional and it is like goofy. But, you know, you're in a run of a show and you're like you you get, you know, and, and who knows what he was going through at that time, too. Like he might have been going through something and saw that and just was really disappointed because he didn't want me to learn bad habits, you know, and, uh, you know, learn, especially at that age, if you start getting laughs like that, you start thinking, oh, this is the thing to do. I'm going to just, it's going to be about me, me, me. And it's, you stop thinking about, <laughs> you stop thinking about what's really important and giving to those other actors around you and you start yeah. being very selfish. And so the lesson that he gave me made me a stronger performer and later on a better director. And right. I, I think I'm so thankful for that. And for all of the artists uh, and teachers in my life who were honest with me, who taped yeah. my mouth shut in class, which did happen in fifth grade, who, oh. you know, all the teachers that actually kicked my ass a little bit when I needed it, when I needed a good yeah. ass kicking. And oh, today yeah. I think that's another huge thing that's wrong with our educational system is you can't do that. Especially like in college and high school, you can't kick somebody's ass anymore verbally because they'll sue your ass or they'll fire you because nobody wants to feel uncomfortable. But being uncomfortable makes you grow. It makes yep. you grow as a person. It makes you grow as a, uh, you know, as a member of society. It makes you grow in your own mind. It, it's, it's needed. And the fact that people can't be honest anymore with somebody in school without hurting their feelings and getting scared they're going to get fired if they hurt their feelings, artists especially, if you're not pushed, if you're not uncomfortable, you will never fucking grow. You will not yeah. grow as an artist. I get yeah. so tired of having people tell me all the time, you know, oh, no, your stuff's so good. It's so good. It's like, well, that doesn't do you any good. It's nice to get praise. It really is. But my real yeah. friends are really honest with me. You know, yeah. and if they don't like something, they'll tell me they don't like it. And they'll tell me why not just, oh, I didn't like it. You know, it's like they'll actually say to you, this is why I have an issue with this or whatever. And I always if people ask me my advice and they're my real friends, I will give them my honest opinion because and I don't do it to be mean. If, if I don't like something, I'll, I'll give it to them in a constructive way. But that's true love. That's being yep. open and honest with somebody and it doesn't do you any good for me to sit around and just praise you, you know, yeah. and, you know, pad your because little bottom then, and, and tell you that you're special. It doesn't do you any good. You're never going to grow. Because then when you realize you're older and you're not that good, they're going to hate you for it. Right. They're going to say, they're gonna why, be like, did well, you, why, why didn't did you, you tell me? Yeah. You, you, you told me when I was 10, 12 years old that I was really good and doing everything great. But then when I was 24 and 30 years old, I realized I'm not that good. You know, you lie to yeah, me, or, you know, they're, and they're, right. they're going to hate, they're going to hate the teacher or whoever made the comment yeah. uh, for it. Yeah. 
Well, and it also just what good you're all you're you're doing is allowing them to lie to themselves too, and say that there's nothing to work yep. on, that there's no other opinion on what they what they do. Because sometimes it it is good, but maybe there's some way it could be better. And being outside of the art or outside of the situation, you can actually give a unique perspective as to what that is. Like, well, okay, this is great, but it's you know, you're missing something here or this doesn't really make sense or this isn't resonating, I think, the way that you're wanting it to. And by by being honest with somebody, you're really loving them more You're because you want what they're doing to to really be the best it can be. And you want them to be the best that they can be. You want them to succeed. So you give praise where praise is due. I'm not saying never give praise by any means. You give that praise, but you also are honest. And if you don't like something, what good is it to tell somebody that you do? You know, nothing you could be you could if somebody says, did you like it, which is a horrible question. Like, don't ever go out and ask somebody, did you like it? I I don't do that anymore. I used to do that, you know, all the time. But now it's like, you know, if somebody says they like, oh, good, I'm glad you had a good time. I'm glad you had a good time. If you would like to talk about it, we can go get some drinks or get some dinner and we'll we'll talk about it. You know, if uh, because I you know, and there's some people, some valued artist friends, you present company included, that I would really be interested to hear your thoughts on something that I've created or that we've created together or whatever, you know, but there's other people that's like, I don't, you know, I'm glad you had a good time. I don't really need to hear your opinion on anything because it's your opinion and that's great. And, you know, it's not that it's not worth anything to me. It's just, I don't need to hear it because I know we probably have a very different mindset on, on things or or whatever. So I don't know. It kind of goes both ways. I couldn't agree more. And one balancing act that I did figure out, you, you already kind of touched on it. Give them a little praise. Find something good about it that you can say, whatever it is. And then, but you start you start with a good thing, a couple good things, and then, unfortunately, you know, go into things you need to improve upon. And that was the only way I could balance it out when I was being a teacher or evaluating something. And just anything in general, I was like, okay, what do I find that's good about it? There's something good that I can find and tell this person. And it, I do actually think it's good. Uh, but then, you know, hit hit them with. So it's, uh, you know, it really is a balance. And one you're other talking story, about the compliment sandwich, <laughs> the compliment sandwich. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's you know, you get it. You get your own digs in there, but you're not a total, you know, you're not a total dick about it because you're complimenting on something because I try to I try to think about that in general. What's what's something good I can get out of this situation, this conversation right. with this person, whatever. Doesn't matter what it is. So. And one other story made me think about all this um, is in that movie Whiplash, and uh, the teacher J.K. Simmons is talking to the the kid Miles Teller. I forget the names I don't in the movie. Who played the kid? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Irrelevant. The story is that he's talking about um, a time when Charlie Parker, a very famous uh, alto saxophone jazz player, was doing a recording session, or is that a a place playing with a band and he was so terrible that somebody else in the recording session threw a metal, you know, the drum cymbal at his head and he had to duck and get out of the way. So he didn't get decapitated or at least extremely hurt by this guy throwing a cymbal at him. And so then he got so embarrassed by it. He went away and practiced and practiced and practiced like crazy. And now we have Charlie Parker, but we would not have Charlie Parker if that incident had not occurred. And that's what that, this teacher and that's what this teacher was trying to tell the kid in the movie. You know, it's like you need these situations to, you know, hey, you're not good at all. 
get it together or you're not going to be part of this you know, program, this musician, uh, this group or this uh, theater company, what have you. You know, it's, it's, right. Some of those lessons are hard to learn, but man, yeah. it, it makes a difference. You know, right. Some of these, and if you you're know, really dedicated, you want that. I, Brian, that's it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think so today I love, in our I love world, that story. Yeah, that's a great story. And that, yes. Those teachers, I value those. I value, you know, yeah. I value those teachers so much to this day. The teachers that pushed us the hardest. My my acting professor in college. Maybe we'll have him as a guest on the show sometime. But yeah. that man, you know, what? I I every everything I learned about acting, you know, was solidified because of the way that that guy pushed me, and I watched him push other students in a way, yeah. you know, and it was powerful. It's sad, yeah. and hopefully we can get back to a place where we're not so brittle that we can't, you know, take that. Take the criticism, take the the truth, the honesty, and grow from it and say, thank you. Thanks for being a real person with me and telling me your opinion. And even though I don't have to believe everything you're saying, but the fact that you're giving me another perspective is powerful. Yeah. Well, I, I yeah. And, and I, I, I wish I had harder teachers when I was in high school. I think start, some of that was even starting when I was getting out of high school and going to college. Um, I was a cocky prick um, in high school, uh, particularly my senior. Yeah, I was. I, yeah, still am. I might have, yeah, just walking down the street. Hey, um, I'm teasing you. Uh, no, uh, no, I don't. Uh, um, but I thought I was a gr- I thought it was the greatest gift to you know music. I I played three instruments, and then but then when I got to college, I was like, holy crap! Everybody pays I'm nine near, instruments. I'm not yeah. near as good as I thought I was, you know. And I was like, so much. And and MSU had a you know it was a huge band program. I think there was 400 people in the band, you know. So I'm going right. up all these people, you know, people my age, you know, and maybe just a year older, but they were so much better than me. I'm like, holy crap! I didn't. I thought I was king of the world, you know, when I was in high school because I was first chair, I was section leader, I was I was, you know, in charge of a lot of things running sectionals and things. So I was like, man, college it's going to be a breeze. I got there not so much. I I I had a, a lot to learn and it was a hard lesson too because like I thought I was so great and then I'm surrounded by all these people who are, you know, just as good, but most of them are a lot better. So I really had to swallow some pride and say, "Hey, there's there's a lot of people better than me out there, even at a college level. That that you just gotta you know get in there and practice, and <laughs> you're not as good as you think you are. But my teacher, you know, he never told me that. He was kind of oh yeah yeah okay fine whatever. You know, he didn't never really push us that hard. So um, I wish he would have. You know, but right. I was I, lucky I did I had... learn it for myself in college. You know? Oh yeah, and that's a harder lesson sometimes because you yeah. you didn't get prepped for it. I I was very thankful that I had some really honest teachers, especially in the arts in high school, that said, you know, you're kind of the king here. You know, you've built yourself up. You do. You know, it's easier for you here because there's not a lot of people who really do what you do and focus on this as hard as you do. But when you get to college everybody's going to be focused just as much as you. They're going to be just as talented, if not more talented than you are. And you are going to have to bust your ass because you're not going to be the special, you know, the, yeah. the one of a few kids that are actually good at this and really want to do this with their life. Everybody in your department is going to want to do that. And mm-hmm. so I kind of knew that and I had to talk myself into it, but it was still a hard lesson when you get there and you're like, holy shit, I actually have to work for an audition, you know, because you get comfortable. <laughs> That's one of the reasons, yeah. you know, when you hit a certain level of doing something in an area, you have to be uncomfortable to get to the next level. And there for yeah. a while, 
back home in Missouri, it's like I really needed to move because I'd been doing stuff there so long that I didn't have to try anymore to get a, a, a part or whatever. Like if I went to an audition, usually I was invited to an audition or whatever because I'd just been, an, you know, an actor for so long. People knew my work. I didn't really have to do much. And I was artistically just doing the same kind of thing over and over again. And it's like mm -hmm. I just need to get away for a while and get my bearings again and move to a market that I have is so big here in Chicago and I don't know anybody and I don't have a leg up and I don't, you know, and everybody and I have to work again and I'm still yeah. learning that lesson. Right. You know, and it's oh, like, me too. and sometimes you take those steps back to reevaluate and then go forward again. And I think of course. Yeah. that's all life. And it's, it's great to, it's great to go through those with, with other people and be able to talk about those things, you know, with other, yeah. other people like yourself. And that's one of the things with this podcast It's great. It's great to talk about these trials and tribulations and life lessons and learning these things yeah. as you go and grow together. Yeah. So, well, cause that's one thing becoming a teacher. I remember, uh, you know, having, yes, yeah, everybody has good and bad teachers throughout their life, you know, all the way from elementary, all the way through college. And I just remember, you know, this one orchestra teacher I had in middle school and she was just terrible. Um, I even knew it at the time, uh, but then when I became a teacher, I was like, I gotta step it up and be ten times better than her, which wasn't hard because she was so terrible. <laughs> uh, because I didn't feel like I got the most out of it, you know, those those three years of middle school with her is like a waste of time because I didn't get that much out of it. I was taking private lessons, but you know, she really. So when I became a teacher, I was like, oh man, I gotta step it up and do a good job for these kids because I don't want the same thing to happen to those kids when they get older. You know, like, oh, Mr. Arata was, you know, you know, not paying attention, you know, just patting us on the back about everything and not not doing not doing your job as a teacher, educating right. children. <laughs> so uh, but yeah, I hear that. Yeah. Education is is. It's uh, probably going to be hurt the most by not being honest, unfortunately. And I, I, I wish it was more honest, but what, what can you do? You know, it's a tiptoe. Everybody's walking on eggshells around everybody these days. Yeah. Um, so yeah. what, what are you going to do? Well, sometimes you got to get spanked really hard by life to make things, to make things change. And maybe this, yeah. this whole the way that the world is right now is going to spank us all real hard. And we're all going to realize that, holy shit, I can't walk on eggshells and I got to be honest. And we got to go through some shit till we come out on the other side. And yeah, that's, well, that's and, important. Uh, and uh, when I was on Family Guy, Ron would do that. Ron uh, Ron Jones was the composer I worked for, and we had to create the, the orchestrations and then these sample instrument simulations of what's going to sound like the orchestra. And he would tear you to shreds on, oh, this mix is terrible. Why'd you use this sample? This is terrible. And the you know you'd see the less the fewer notes you got, the better you were doing. But it was always mm -hmm. something negative. But all those things get in there and make it into the show because he pushed us that hard because we made him look better. And then overall the music better for the show. And if he hadn't done that, we wouldn't be as good as we were. I wouldn't be as good as I am now because he pushed me harder or, you know, he's going to fire me. He fired somebody because they weren't that good not willing to follow his notes. Like he's a great composer. He's a great expert. And Seth is Seth McFarlane. He's even more difficult. Like you, some of that stuff is like, why is that so soft in there? Well, I hear too much trumpets, you know, and he's very educated in music himself. Right. So you got two pretty harsh critics um, evaluating your stuff, you know, and try to, you know, keep your job they and want everything. It to be perfect, right? But but in turn made me, you know, made me a better uh, better orchestrator, better mock up person, better sound engineer, all all the way around. Um, that's why I keep thanking him. I'll thank him on every episode. Ron Jones, <laughs> thank you for <laughs> hiring me and teaching me what I do today because he's he, yeah. he really did. He, he gave me a, 
great education, you know, on that's, the job. That's amazing. Well, um, also, you know, guys, uh, all you listeners out there, uh, we're wrapping this thing up, um, but just wanted to uh, throw out in the in the spirit of being honest, if you would like to join the conversation, hit us up um, on social media, uh, on our email, and, um, you know, let us know. Get a part of the, the, you know, if you've got a perspective here you want to share with us, um, you drop a line, uh, drop a review, drop a line on our on our show, uh, anywhere you find it, if you're listening to this on a podcast app or on YouTube or a website or wherever, um, you know, drop us a line. We want to hear from you. We'd love to hear your brutal honesty, and we'll give it right back at you. Uh, other than that, uh, we've had a great time talking, Brian. It's always a pleasure talking to you and and um, getting to, to catch up, especially since it's been a bit, you know, after the holidays. But um, thanks for calling and want to want to talk to you again soon. Oh yeah, and I already got like three more stories ready for the next episode about what's already happened over the over the break. So I got I got plenty more material to to come here. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Awesome. All right. Well, Brian, good to talk to you, man, and uh, we'll talk soon. Okay, man. Talk to you later. Bye.